0: Hello and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. I'm going to start
1: this with getting everybody mad at me <laughs> in the beginning because that's the best way to speak to people is just get everybody mad at you. And, and I, I'm actually going to ask you to move seats. And the reason why I'm going to ask you to move seats is because I don't want to deal with the peripheries today. Like I want to stay kind of like right down the middle. But I really feel like I really, 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 really feel that my message is focused on young people. So if you're like, if you feel like you're young people, I want you to sit right here, please. Move a coat, it, move it, like, go ahead, move, like, go ahead, do this. Like, if you're on that side, just shift to a seat in here. There's nobody here with, with uh, cooties um, or leprosy, I think. Please, please, come on. And if you feel like you have a child, I I just want. But young people, I really this. I feel like this message is for you. Come on, go ahead. And if you're like, I don't want to move. Well, then I'm not gonna make you. But so, I've had this feeling, this thing that I've I've noticed that has kind of happened to our generation. That's why I want y'all up here, all right? I, I kind of, and, and I'm gonna take my time today. I hope you're okay with that. I'll, I'm gonna end when I end, but I'm gonna take my time. But I've noticed that there, like we went through this thing called a pandemic, whatever that may like a, it was a pandemic. But I, I think there was this other thing that happened within this generation that snuck into this thing. And I think it's the epidemic of anxiety that has crept into our generation where our young people are feeling a lot more anxiety and panic and just like a lack of control over their life. Have you noticed? Am I, am I the only one that knows? Like maybe have, you have dealt with a lot of people who are going through, you know, like anxiety attacks or panic attacks and they're young. Have you noticed this, Wayne? And and you're probably on the front lines of dealing with this, right? And you're you're talking with people. And I want to speak to that because for some reason, no, not for some reason, it's actually a very, very strategic thing that the enemy is doing in that he's trying to make anxiety part of your identity so that if you make anxiety or worry or panic part of your identity, now you accept it as something that you just have to live with. But the truth of the matter is, it's your very identity that protects you from having to live an anxious and worry-filled life. So if the enemy can trick you and saying, no, this is just part of your identity, you never explore that you are strong. Young people, you're strong. And maybe it's a little bit our fault because we've talked about brokenness and being weak and and we haven't explained that. And I think that this year is a really good year to celebrate your strength. To celebrate how strong you can be. To celebrate how much adversity you can handle. To celebrate that you have strong shoulders and that you can do it. But you have to believe in some things. And I really I want to pray over you, young people. But anybody else who, str- who suffers with like a life full of worry and anxiety, and I said this like, you know what? You came up to me, Jeremy. You said, you said to me, I made the last time I spoke. I said, worry is one of the most vain imaginations that you could have, and that basically saying that worry is perverted imagination. Anxiety is perverted imagination. Because the imagination that God put into your head, Maddie, is like full of life and full of creation and full of expansion and full of all these things that are amazing, right? And worry is taking the inverse of that and saying, but what about this? And what if I can't do this? And what if I'm not good about this? And it's just perverted. So the enemy tries to take the thing that's in your mind to create and just wants to like, wants to suffocate it out so that we never see the thing that he put in you, in your imagination. Because more times than not, you worrying is you making up scenarios in your head. Right? Have you ever been there? I've been there. You don't know the scenarios that I've made up in my head. They're all insane. So I don't mean that flippantly. Like, I've talked to myself. They're crazy, okay? And I really, guess what? You don't have to live that life. You don't have to live that life. So, I want to talk, guys, I'm here. <laughs> this is where I'm at, okay? <laughs> so, and I actually remembered them today, which was the other problem I was having, because, I, because, okay, so this week, I was actually writing all my notes, because I've been on planes this whole week. Like, this, the last three weeks, I'll tell you, have been, the reason why the reason why I'm talking about this is because we've gone through a very stressful, stressful time at my job. There's like even like, are, are we going to have a job tomorrow? And the Lord kept on telling me, "Hey, hey, do th- 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 focus. Don't don't worry about the peripheries. Focus, 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 focus. Okay. So I, I remembered my glasses. That's the one thing I got it. And I'm typing on my and my on my phone all my notes. And honestly, I don't know how to transfer them over that's another old thing, but like, this is where I'm at. Okay, so, what I wanna talk to you about today is about wisdom, and I actually, unfortunately, I haven't had the time to go back to all the. so I'm actually coming to it completely blind, but we've been talking about wisdom for the last month. So, this is not necessarily the capstone, but this is talking to you about the things that you can do that help you grow in wisdom okay? Because there's one thing I have ne- I've never heard this said. You know, so-and-so is very wise, but he tends to have a lot of anxiety. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. You know, she's, she, she's very wise, but she tends to panic. Have you ever heard anybody that is associated with wisdom struggle with those things? No. No. Because guess what? The more you grow in wisdom, the less you will find you're subjected to anxiety and fears and vain imaginations and all this stuff that's meant to bog you down and suffocate you. You know what? I'm growing in wisdom. I'm growing in wisdom. So I do not have to surrender myself over to those things. Young people, you don't have to surrender yourself over to a life of fear and anxiety. And I want you not to have to deal with that starting now. Could you imagine a generation that's like, anxiety? Why? I know who I am. Who the hell are you? Oops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was gonna talk bluntly today. I'm talking like it's blunt. This is kind of how I grew up. Is there a water bottle? Because I, I tend to move on my, thank you, ooh, behind the back. Yeah, thank you. I finally found a pair of glasses that actually fit my head a little bit too. All right, thank you. You, My wife got these for Christmas. That's also when you're, you know, you're getting a little bit of an age when you get uh, reading glasses for Christmas. Same. That borrow your glasses, I can see. These ain't magic glasses, bro. Like, I, they just help me read a little. It's one time. All right, okay. So, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks, or a few weeks ago now. Mark was talking about wisdom, and he said, um, like who's the picture of wisdom that you have in your head? Like when you say wise, like you see somebody with a long beard, right? Like probably on the top of a mountain, and I started thinking about what my perspective of wisdom is. Like what's my picture, right? What's my picture? So, and I know I've talked about this here before, so, but I'm gonna tell you a little bit of, uh, about it more. Hey kids, check this out. On Saturday mornings, when I was a kid, you had four hours to watch cartoons, and that was it. You didn't just like, you couldn't summon up any cartoon that you wanted to, like some cartoon wizard and say magic, and next thing you know, any cartoon. You got the one that they told you you were gonna get. This is the cartoon you're seeing today. Four hours, and then after that, go outside, right? That's what life was like, right? You couldn't, like, that's what you did. You saw four hours, maybe there was like two after three o'clock, but you know, my mom didn't let us watch TV right after school. We had to do our homework. So I didn't even know that existed. So that was life when I was young. Four hours, that's it, okay? Now, when the fourth hour hit at noon, a very special programming would come on and they were kung fu movies. Thank you. Did anybody grow up with this? Did you grow up with this? Kung Fu movies were the best, okay? And I'll tell you why they were the best. Because they were all terrible. <laughs> all right? They were like terrible, terrible. Anybody else grow up watching Kung Fu movies? They were, they were fantastic, okay? And let me tell you something. They all had amazing titles, like the Five Fingers of Death, or like Fist of Fury, or Enter the Dragon, or you know the 36 Chambers of the Shaolin Temple. And you were like, all right, we're going to watch people beat each other up, and it was amazing, all right? But noon, kung fu movie time, all right? Channel five, or whatever, whatever channel you had. Now, the plot of a kung fu movie is all the same. Somebody wants revenge for something, okay? And they're gonna go to the Shaolin master, and they are going to learn how to do kung fu. Do kung fu? That's what they're gonna learn. They're gonna learn kung fu, all right. So they go to the Shaolin master, and guess what? A lot of the movies that you see, like seen today, they're based on kung fu movies, all right. Like the Matrix is a kung fu movie. Don't get it twisted. Star Wars, that little Yoda dude, he's just a Shaolin master. He's just a kung fu dude. Just telling you. Now, this is what happens in a kung fu movie. The guy wants to go beat up the world because he needs vengeance, all right. I need to avenge my town or my. Like this or that, right? So awesome. Vengeance, it drives us. And the Shaolin master looks at him. He looks at him, right? And the Shaolin master always had like a beard. And he was just beard, right? And he would, he would look him up and down. Am I not? Am I not? Am I li-? And the Shaolin master would just be like, take that bucket and climb those stairs. And don't drop a, a, a bucket. A, don't drop a, like a drop of water. Do that. Right? And you're seeing the stairs, like, in the frame. And next thing you know, they pan up, and there's seven trillion stairs, right? That the, that the, that the pupil, like, on a stick, and he has to carry up, like, like this, two buckets of water. And if he spilled even a drop, the Shaolin Master was like, do it again. There was another one, that, that, like, Fist of Fury. Or was it the Five Deadly Venoms? I can't even remember anymore, because they're all the same. The Shaolin Master says, okay, you want to learn? What I want you to do is I want you to stand in front of this wood plank, and I just want you to hit it. That's what you do. Just hit it, and the Shaolin Master will leave. And this guy's hitting it, hitting it, and hitting it, and hitting it. His hands are bleeding, and he's like, oh, this, none of this makes sense. And he hit it until his hand got so strong, right, that he was able to break through the plane, right, like from right here. He was able to break through, and all of a sudden he had an aha moment. Oh my God, I'm stronger than I thought I was. And after that aha moment, the Shaolin Master, the, the Kung Fu Master, is able to say, now we can teach you some things. Because you, you put to test this little thing. I gave you this little thing that you think had nothing to do with anything and you put it to the test and you, you, carried, up the, you carried up the bucket of water. You carried up the bucket of water. Did you, see, did you see Karate Kid? Have you seen Karate? You haven't seen Karate Kid? My kid, great. Okay. Note to self. Okay, you know the storyline. Who's seen Karate Kid? Is it not the same thing? Pat Morita, Daniel's son, he wants vengeance because he got beat up in school. So he comes over to the, to the kung fu master. They said karate. I don't know the difference. If I'm getting punched in the face, it's karate or kung fu, doesn't matter to me. So he goes in and he wants to get he wants to get vengeance. So he goes to, to, to Mr. Miyagi. And Mr. Miyagi said, what does what Mr. Miyagi say? You want to learn, learn karate? Paint the fence. So there's Daniel, painting the fence, painting the fence. And then he's standing on the floor. And Mr. Miyagi was like, "Daniel's son, paint the fence. And if you think that's like a stereotypical, I'm not doing, I'm doing that character. That guy, all right, he spoke like that exactly. Paint the fence. Oh, and if you ever saw him in an interview, he was like, yeah, I was really happy to get that role. So even he used this voice, so I don't wanna hear it. All right? Yeah, he was just like a California dude. He's like, yeah, I was totally stoked about getting that role.
2: I was like, that's Pamela,
1: okay. To, to the one point, to the point where, where Daniel just, he got so fed up and he was like, no, this is crap. Why am I I'm just painting your, and sanding your floors and waxing your car, and all of a sudden he's like, okay, let's see what you learn. And next thing you know, he's doing karate. And that's my picture of Wisdom. My picture of wisdom is this person that won't allow you to get to the next stage without going through what you have to go through in the beginning. That's foundational. He didn't didn't teach you the flying crane kick before he taught you to carry up a bucket of water up a flight of stairs. And wisdom does that for you. Mark said it, like wisdom is foundational. So it doesn't start at step 10, it starts at step one. And then goes to step two. And we don't skip steps, because once you start skipping steps, you have a shoddy foundation. So this was my picture of wisdom. So, saying all that, I wanna give you four things. Four things, and I'm not like a, like usually I'm more of like a kind of a theoretical, kind of speaker, like I'll say things and you're like, I don't know what to do with that. I'll just think about it. I know that's who I am. (laughs) But for the first time, I really want to give you practical things that you can do to grow in wisdom so that your anxiety or your panic or your anything can actually shrink. Okay? So these are... These are the four things that I've, the four characteristics, the four behaviors that I have found wise people make as a part of their life, like as foundational. And as we seek for wisdom, as we seek to grow in wisdom, if we do these four things, there's probably more. I'm not that wise, all right? I only got four. But if we do these things, I I truly believe that you do not have to have a life that... So one. Well, even before one, let me lay another foundation here. You know, also when you put in notes, you can't, right? It can't make it bigger. So I'm forced to do these glasses thing. All right. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, do not be anxious about anything. And I actually like this one because I've been talking about context. Like you got to read the Bible in context. But this one's like, nah, I can do this one standalone. Do not be anxious about anything. It kind of in the verse says, look, context or no context. Don't be anxious about anything. How? I don't know. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. This verse blows my mind because it almost suggests that God doesn't know. Right? If you read it in English... But it's not that God doesn't know. It's God is encouraging you to communicate with him. Because he wants to understand the places that you're inviting him into and the places you're not inviting him into. So it's not that you're letting your thanksgiving or your supplication or your your request be known to God like it's a surprise. What What you're doing is inviting him into the places. Into the places. So the more you invite him into the places... The more you're going to have God. So it's simple like that. So that's our foundational our, our foundational verse. Can, and Mark, how do you do the no? Does anybody know how to get rid of my lock screen? Thank you, son. No, I've seen it done for you before. So <laughs> you have these too. Like... I was hoping making my my needs known to you would bring. (laughs) Not that he's the Lord, but somebody could come to our rescue, both of our reckoning. (laughs) Now check this out. This second part of the verse is really cool. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. We talk about guarding our hearts, right? We talk about guarding our hearts and our minds. It's, what is the thing that guards your hearts and mind? It's the peace of God. It's the peace of God. The peace of God is meant to guard your heart and guard your mind so that you do not have to suffer through a life of anxiety or panic. So, the more you're able to invite him into these places, the more the peace of God is able to guard your heart. Oh, you stop trying to guard your heart. Let the Lord guard your heart. Because when we try to guard our hearts, we ultimately lean on our own understanding of how to guard our hearts. Instead of letting the peace of God guard our hearts. Because he guards it perfectly. With love. Okay. Another one. 1 Peter five seven. I didn't even get to one yet. We'll get there. Okay, we'll get there. Casting all your anxieties on him. Another one taken out of context, but uh, check this out. This is great. Cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. What better reason is that? Because he cares for you. It's a safe place. Okay, so here we go. Four things, four things that wise people do that lowers anxiety. The first thing they do is they prepare and they don't procrastinate. I told you this is gonna get really practical. Wise people prepare and they don't put it off. Okay, and that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you're going to have an answer for everything that happens in life. It just means that the things that you're able to control, you have control. And the other things that you're unable to control, you don't have to have anxiety over them because prepared. you can't control them and you're prepared. No, that was how I'll go next. Thank you, dear. You're good. <laughs> I had to look at her. Dang. Oh, you look good. You look good. Um, at 1.5 times the, the, the multiplication. <laughs> okay, so yeah.
3: Can I give you a real-life example? Yeah, I know where you're going to go. Go ahead. Should I give you a mic? Okay, go ahead.
1: No, I think it's good because this is this is more about teaching today. It's more it's it's really about people learning and understanding from the wisdom in the room, which we're going to get to.
3: So I was actually just telling Maria this yesterday or the day before, but about a year ago, I decided I was going to change my method at work. It used to be, well, this is going to be a complete disaster, and I don't really know what to do, so we'll push this aside, and I'll do this because I know know how to do this. Well, the problem with that is that sits there, then another one comes along, and it sits there, and the next thing you know, you're like, I've got four of these problem child clients that I don't know what to do with. And it just like, it saps all of the energy, energy. and creativity from your brain.
1: So you, you know, like you're taking the things that you can actually do something about and you put it on a pile. And when you put it on a pile, next thing you know, it's awesome. just overwhelming. What do you do? I don't, I don't even know how to move forward. I have way too many of these things. And they're all a problem and I don't know what to do with them. But you know what I can control? Ignoring it. <laughs> have you ever tried the method of ignoring? I hear people say this a lot. It's hilarious. Okay, I may have heard it from people in my own household, even me. But like this uh, excuse to procrastinate, in that uh, I say, "Yeah, but you know, I I work better under pressure." I I work better under pressure. It's like when I'm under pressure, is when I shine. And I'm like, "No, you don't. You don't." You're just taking the results you got because you had to get them. Like there was no other thing you could do. You had to do the thing. If you would have done it earlier, you wouldn't have as much pressure on you. So you don't really work better on the pressure. It's just what you have to do. So why don't you just have to do the thing that you have to do when you have to do it? (laughs) I had a boss that put it this way. Do the needful thing. Do the thing that needs to get done when it needs to get done. Yeah, go ahead. Let's make this as interactive as possible.
0: Uh, I wanted to say that when we guard our own heart and our own mind, we tend to put up walls. That's true.
1: Why? Because you're not doing it in wisdom. Right? Okay. so. I'll encourage you, I'll encourage you with something for, for us older people. Prepare. You should have a will. You should have life insurance. You should pay your bills. That, that, this, is all, you think this is all part of preparation. I don't know what happens around the corner, but I know what's happening right here and right now. Young people, don't put off that work that you have to do for school. You don't work well under pressure. We've seen you. It's a disaster. Okay, I've seen. I've seen my own kids like feeling like, oh my God, I got all this work to do, and it's like, I wish I could lift that off of you, but I, I can't. I can't. So do the thing that has to be done. So let me give you. Let me give you a, a couple of verses. Everything is gonna out out of context. Don't worry about it. All right, you're gonna be fine. Proverbs twenty two three. The prudent sees danger and hides himself. And I don't think that hides himself in a scared way. I think the prudent sees danger and does what needs to be done. Does. Yep. That's good. Did you hear that? He hides himself in his own preparation. Are you making fun of me because of the glasses? Or be- I don't know. I get so, I feel like it, it, it cuts me off. Like at the chest, I'm very short, so I don't know. You know what, if you, thank you, if you know how to do this, why don't you come up and preach, uh, how about that? Megan Derniak, bam, I just just shut her up, I was prepared, I was prepared. <laughs> the prudence danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. So the simple go out there, they see danger, they're not prepared for it, and what do they do? They walk into danger. It's, it's not that hard, and that's in Proverbs. That's like wisdom. Like, that just seems like the, the most natural thing to do. If you see danger and you're prepared, you hide yourself in your preparation. I just stole what Mark said and used it on my own. 1 Peter 1.13, Therefore, preparing your minds for action preparing your minds for action. So you're, me- you're meant to do something, there-, there is meant to be a result, and you prepare your mind for it, and when you prepare your mind for it, you move forward. Oh, good. You wanna to add to the first of to this? Because
4: I think there's a little bit of a misnomer that the wise don't do anything, they just kinda sit there. Oh yeah. I like but that. wisdom is, is active. Wisdom is engaged. Wisdom is always doing something. When someone is of wisdom, they're actively involved in really important good things. Mm -hmm. It's, I think it's a misnomer to think the wise ones are the ones that are sitting on the sidelines, just like stroking their beards, waiting for the young ones, foolish ones to mess up. Actually, wisdom is always active, engaged, doing really important good things.
1: Yeah, if you ever watch the Kung Fu Master... He practices. Oh, you know what? I'll tell you, I'll, 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 um, I'll use my dad as an example, okay? My, my dad, I don't want to say masters an instrument. What? No, let me use Chris. Well, my dad mastered an instrument. Yeah. My dad has mastered the piano, or whatever you can say. How much time do you think he still maintains in practice so that when he moves into action, he can like you don't see, you don't see the duck with the legs underwater. You just see the gliding, right? It's like a duck on water, and that's what Mark is talking about. It's like why is that duck? Why is that duck just yeah? Just looks calm. The duck just looks calm, but underneath that duck is moving, and that duck is in action. Like my dad practicing the piano, practicing, practicing, so that when he shows you the results, it looks just so easy. And then you think I could do that. Ding, 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 that's me. Ding, ding, screw it, I'm
4: not doing this anymore. Constant caution is false wisdom. Mm -hmm. Someone who is always telling you, oh, don't do that, or way be careful of that, or is not engaging in things because of all the things that could go wrong, it sounds wise, but it's worldly wisdom. Mm -hmm. And it's so important. It, it, It struts around like wisdom, but it's not godly wisdom. And it'll always make you feel like you need to play it safe. Wisdom isn't safe.
1: Oh, it takes risks.
4: Yeah, wisdom takes risks. It just prepares for the risk. Yep. Like it knows what to do. But the problem is those that don't prepare and then they see someone taking the risk, it looks completely like a wrong thing to do. But wisdom has been building for that big step of faith or that risk for years.
1: You want to just sit there so you don't have to do the calisthenics? Or the okay, so let me finish this first. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, which means that you have assessed you have assessed the cost. It doesn't mean that it's all in your favor. It's that you recognize what it is. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So you have work to do that brings forth the revelation of Jesus Christ, and that is... Getting your mind right, acting, and Jesus gets to be revealed. Okay, so number one, number one thing that, that wise people do as a behavior, they prepare and they don't procrastinate. Okay, number two, I have found this in every wise person that I've ever met. But they understand and they have learned gratitude and contentment. They understand it. I find that more times than not, when we're anxious about something, we're doing kind of one or two things. One, oh, I think that was my mom who just called. Um, one, yeah, she watched. <laughs> I find that when we're worrying, we're doing one of two things. One, we're trying to measure what we don't have. have, We're were trying to measure what we don't have. Or two, we have fear of losing the thing that we do have. So you get very anxious about these things like... (sighs) First of all, measuring the things that you don't have is an endless activity because you will always find something that you don't have that would lead you into like just, it, it would just lead you into feeling like you are less than. And I don't, I don't know wise people who ever like feel like they're less than. They know their worth and they know their value. And it's because when things start like when the hits the fan, wise people are able to look around and be like, you know what? This is what it is, but I'm grateful and I'm content for everything that I have. And I know, because what gratitude does is it allows you to continually reset your faith in who God is. Because I can go back and I say, oh, I have this problem right here, but you know what? The The Lord has done this. the lord has provided this and look where i am right now And, and even if you have the smallest thing if you can latch on to understanding gratitude for it you will grow in the things that the lord gives you so you know the verse that to those um to those who have been giving a little or are trusted with a little they will be given more It's because they've shown the proper amount of gratitude for that thing so that the Lord can feel like, you know what? We can give him more. Because he's going to show gratitude. He's going to show thanksgiving. They're going to show thanksgiving. Contentment. Does contentment, does that word bother anybody? It it bothers you? Here comes, here comes a microphone for you to tell us about your a trap. Yeah, that was a trap. It wasn't very wise of you to just fall into that one. <laughs> <laughs> Diane, you weren't prepared. I don't know what to tell you. You should listen to the rest of this sermon. Go back to step one. I don't know, something. I'm just kidding. Okay, tell me. No, no. I'm telling you. Other people feel the way you feel. Why, why does contentment, like why does that word...
0: Because uh, if I don't keep my mind right, it sounds like laziness or lack of ambition.
1: Lack of ambition.
0: Yeah. You agree with that, right, see? And You're... I I get twisted up about what my purpose is, and I feel like if I'm contentment, I'll miss opportunity or I'll take my mind off of what's possible. Okay. I think that's not...
4: Uh, okay. somebody yeah. else going to talk? Oh, is somebody gonna bail you
0: out? Hey,
1: Doug, Doug has coming that to has your... Thought? Doug... Save a sister. She's well, fun. no,
5: it's not to say that, but I just think that contentment comes from practicing gratitude. You have to find the things that you're grateful for, and the more you say that, the more you believe it, and then contentment comes from that. Doug,
1: you, you read my notes.
5: Yeah, and, and it's, not, it's not discontentment to have goals or ambition. But as you're grateful for those things, you know, that's part of humility as well.
1: Oh, man, humility, you, you wanna come up here with me? No. <laughs> that's fire, that's fire stuff, did you hear him? Did you hear him? Like, okay, contentment is the continued practice of gratitude, so what it means is, is I, I've been thankful for the things that I have, and I actually have been able to assess it, and contentment is that the the, father of all things is ready to give you more. Contentment has nothing to do with laziness. It has everything to do with understanding where your good things came from and being grateful for it and thankful. And I'm telling you, if you can master this gratitude thing and it it resides in you in contentment, you won't be anxious about stuff. You won't need to be anxious about stuff because you have more things to be grateful for and things that you have to be anxious about. Yeah, Mike, Doug, you hit a home run, but I, he needs to have the mic on.
3: So I think as you're grateful for things, you're, you're content, you're humble, and then all of a sudden you stop competing with other people and you actually start rooting for them to succeed because it doesn't, it's not this one-up thing yes
1: it's not not, yeah it's not a competition very good like contentment is this thing it's it's the recognition in you that there is the ability for more but i have so much gratitude about everything that brought me to the place that allows me to have more that's contentment of course you could say something
2: I agree with what Denver was saying, but I wanted to add to that. Uh, I feel like uh, not only should it be like that, but we should also, when we're not competing with others, we can continue to be our better self and we can continue to have ambitions and goals and try to do better on our own. And it will, even though we're content with how we are, doesn't mean we have to stop doing, oh, I could do better or, oh, I can accept this good opportunity, this job opportunity or, or something and still yeah. progress, I guess, progress uh, and still be content and happy with my life as it is. Yeah.
1: And, and you know what? The, the greatest release or freedom that you can gain from not having to compete with others is that you can celebrate them. You ever see somebody succeed and people just not be happy for them? Yeah, very much so. It's way too... You know why? It's not because they're upset with them. It's because they have not practiced gratitude in what they have themselves. So they're not content in what they have. So now anything, anybody that actually gains more, they are automatically going to have a negative viewpoint. Well, why didn't that happen for me? Well, it's like, because you're an ungrateful jerk. <laughs> That's why... No, seriously that's why what why 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 do we expect God to turn over blessings to people who are just not going to be grateful it's just weird
2: yeah another thing when I was younger I was always competing with my brothers I I'm sure everybody else does that too but I I was always uncontent in the fact that one of my brothers was always doing better than us he was an older brother, and he super smart and just good at everything. And so I would always be competing with him, and I would always just rank just a little bit lower. And then finally, I just came to the conclusion that there's no reason I need to compete with him. I'm doing really good on my own. Why should I have to feel like I'm lesser because he is doing just a little bit better than me? Yeah. And when I came to that conclusion, it was like, I had like almost like a whole shield or something that I was able to, a suit that I could just throw off of myself, relief, life got so much better, and, and I was able to move on. And you were
1: able to achieve more, probably. Oh, for sure. Now, what I don't want to take away from you, I, I think that there's some good, healthy competition that you should engage in. That's called iron sharpening iron, okay? I don't want you to totally get rid of competition out of your life. I actually, what I, what I want you to do is not allow competition and those results be the ultimate definition of who you are. There's there's great barometers, like, I, like my nephew does wrestling. All right, he's he's a huge, massive bear of a child. <laughs> so he wrestles actually against stronger people, so he can actually gain like. Gage, where, where am I at? What can I do? Now push yourself. So do not take the competitive part out of you totally, but understand the place where competition needs to exist in you so that you can get better, but not define you. Does that make sense? Okay, okay. So let me, I'm just gonna give you these couple of verses. Give thanks in all circumstances For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances. How am I able to do that? Because I practice gratitude. And in practicing gratitude, I've I've made contentment a, a, a cornerstone and a foundational piece in my life. So now, in all circumstances, I can give thanks because I'm continually practicing gratitude. Worst thing you could do is try to practice gratitude when you haven't been practicing it in a bad situation. Like start right now, the, like the muscle of gratitude, like right now. That's a good situation. I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, right? And then next thing you know, a bad situation. Okay, wait, let me reset my mind. God is good, and I'm thankful. I built the muscle of gratitude. It is a wise thing to do. And now I can give thanks in all situations. Okay, okay, who? Philippians 412 13. I know how to be brought lo- low. I think it's a good thing. I know how to be brought low. Some of us need a little bit of chopping off at the knees. Sometimes it's good. It's a little humility thing. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, a little bit of secret about this. I'm going to make it before 12, I think. A little bit of secret about this. God's not necessarily saying you can do every single thing. You're not meant to do every single thing. But he's saying... This thing in front of you right now, you can do that thing. Because so many times, the thing in front of you feels like all things. Does that make sense? Like, oh, man, this family of mine, it feels like all things. You can do all things. Oh, this job is taking everything out of me. You could do all things. This thing that he put in front of you right now, in your hands, that's everything that you have to do. So do all things. And don't worry about the things that you don't have to do. It's not telling you that. It's telling you, put your all into the things that are at your hand. That makes sense? So number two. Number two was learn gratitude and contentment. Okay, third thing. I, I know that I know that I know that wise people do. It's a part of their routine they embrace humility. Like embrace it like a brother to them. And it reminds them that you don't know everything. The wisest people that I know have I don't know as a regular part of their vocabulary. And they surround themselves with people who do know or may know or will help. This idea that you have to do things by yourself, or you have to live on an island, that you have to know it all, is a fallacy, and I actually think it's a lie of the enemy in order to isolate you. So every decision that you have to make, every decision, is a practice in humility or pride. So in the flesh, I said I was going to use it. In the flesh, you have like, this road that you're going, and you think that you have a choice between A and B, right? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know which way to go because A and B is going to lead to like A, another A and another B, right? And this is the flesh kind of decision-making that you're making. Well, I have a choice between A and B. And that's not what's happening in the spirit. In the spirit, what's happening is I can make a choice here of humility or pride, And humility will say, let me seek wise counsel. Let me ask a question. And pride will say, I'm going to do this thing by myself. I don't need any counsel. I don't need any understanding. This thing is totally on me. And it doesn't mean that A is wrong or B is wrong. The decision you're making is including or excluding. Isolation or community. And the wisest people I know live within community. They thrive in community. Yeah, you know what, young people? You have parents that love you and want to, like our job is to help you get better at this daily. And understanding that, you know what, there's not one single thing that you have to do alone without support. Now you may have to walk things out and you may, you're may you gonna have to carry your cross. Yes, you will, but not even Jesus carried his own cross the whole way. That's good. Not even Jesus. There was a moment where he turned over his cross and he gave it to another and they carried it so that he could have the time to regroup and he did the thing he had to do, but he had support. So why, why live a life where you have to do any of this stuff by yourself, alone? Don't let the enemy corner you. Don't let like the, the things in your head, like, oh, I have to do this on my own. Don't let it corner you and, and make you think that you are by yourself. You're not. You're not. There's somebody who's either gone through, is going through, or will go through what you're going through right now. So you either have a resource, have a partner, or will be a resource. Does that make sense? So all these things, all the resources, Oh, look, look at this room, look at this room of, of, of resource where you can go ask a question. Like, look at Mark, like, I, I'll tell you, I'll speak for Mark, I'll speak for Mark. Mark likes it better when people go up to him and say, hey, you know what, I have a problem Then he likes, like, speaking up here. He much I think he would ra- ra- rather you, like, on a one-on-one, be like, hey, you know, let me give you wisdom than me just trying to cast nets of wisdom. You know what I mean? Because I'm not casting it. It's not going to apply to you. It, I'm not casting it. It's not going to apply to you, right? Like, but you go and you ask, like, hey, you know what? I don't know about this thing. I love it, too. Somebody comes, somebody comes to me and asks me, I, like, ugh, let me help you. It's way more fun than doing this. Like, my mouth gets dry up here, sweating. If you only knew how much I was sweating right now, this is ridiculous. Worried about what you think. I don't know any wise person who does not, at, at some point, say, I don't know. Oh, and I don't know any wise person who didn't get to be a wise person by continuously saying, I don't know. There's a whole lot of I don't know blue building blocks that build a wise person. You hear that? A lot of times where I'm just like, you know what? I need to be humble here. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I don't even know why I'm doing it.
4: Our I don't know causes us to go seek wisdom.
1: Yes. So
4: you ask someone who's wise and they say I don't know. You can trust that that person can turn
1: around and go seek out. This. And this is the economy of it okay? When I say I don't know, I give someone an opportunity to pour into. Like it, it raises, like, it raises people up. I'm telling you, you want to put somebody pep in the step, go up to them and be like, hey, you know what? I don't know, but I know you know. Man, you know how much that adds to them, too? That's economy. It's like we're giving back and forth. This is the community we should live in. Wise people, they embrace humility. And they understand that, hey, it's not a decision between A and B, it's really a decision of inclusion or exclusion, constantly. Okay, yeah, Doug, you want to grab the mic? I don't know where it is now, okay.
5: Thank you. In my line of work, there are times where I have a legal responsibility to say I don't know and I'll get back to you with an answer. And I think that when you say I don't know, it, it builds your credibility, too, where um, people will recognize that, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, don't feel inadequate if you say I don't know. It's not perceived as inadequate. People will see that and they'll say, okay, that's 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 a sign of that building wisdom, so be confident in saying I don't know. I know that there, there have been times in my own business where I feel like if I say I don't know, it will seem as though I'm not qualified in an area. But I don't think that most people perceive it that way.
1: Yeah, you know what, I'll, I'll take it to my work too. There is actually not one project that I've been given or one area of work where I've been told, hey, everything you have to accomplish, you have to do by yourself, with everything that you know in your head, without using any type of resource. In fact, if I do anything in isolation, I get in more trouble than if I do it in inclusion. I will be asked, who'd you include in this? I could have the best idea in the world, like this is gonna work, I mean, it's a, this is great. And from a, logistic, a logistics standpoint, I'm like this is gonna make everybody's life better. <clears throat> and if, if I don't answer that question, they will throw that in the garbage. Oh, you didn't include anybody. I see. So you're being driven by pride. I see.
4: To all the guys in the room, man, I'll tell you what. Every single time I told Dawn what I was going to do, almost every single time, her response was, did you ask? Yeah.
1: It, man, that, so... those
4: first couple of years when she asked me that, oh, I, just... like, I know what I know, I don't need to ask them. I can do it. You still do that, though, sometimes, too, depending, depending on the circumstance. But now I'm like, no, I didn't. You're right. Or I already did. I love when I can tell her I already did. Like, I just feel like, oh, yeah, I already called your dad on that one. <laughs> no, Or something like that. And so for all the guys in the room, if you want to create security for your wife and for your family, please ask. Admit your I don't know and go ask. It will create this blanket of love and security in your home that they all then can launch off of too. Yeah. Even like,
1: "Did you talk to Jesus about it?" Did you talk to Jesus? <laughs> yes, I talked to Jesus. Lord. Yeah. Oh, let me get to Lauren and I'll come back to you. Uh, oh no,
0: I'm sorry. You're fine. Um, and as we were talking, I've also kind of been like hearing the word like meek, like meekness. And I recently heard someone describe meek meekness as strength under control. Mm. And so I, you know, looked up like where it is in scripture and it's take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in, in heart and you shall find rest into your souls. And a little further, um, I read someone's perspective or heart on this verse and it's Learn of me and listen to my words. Walk in the meekness of my spirit and you shall have peace in me. And I, you know, while reading through Proverbs, I'm starting to see where meekness and wisdom, like there's a relationship between the two of them. And also like what you said about I don't know, to me that tells me that there's no, like there's a strength in what you're qualified to do, but not too strong to admit or to uh, help me with my words, uh, like there's no pride, there's no arrogance. There, it's yeah. a, you know, this is my job. I do not know, and it's your, what you're good at is under control in a way that's wise. I, I don't know if I'm yeah. sound no, right. No, but. I
1: hear you. Hard. You know what? I I, I very rarely find um, that wise people do well with arrogant people, and I very rarely find that um, wise people are, are arrogant like there's no reason to be ar- there's no reason to like prop up your wisdom and arrogance wisdom is wisdom yeah. and it shows its value it show- just simply by being wise it doesn't have to be arrogant It doesn't have to puff his chest out
4: yeah
3: so Hollywood and, and the world in general seems to romanticize or uh, I'm trying to think of the word I'm looking for but this whole concept of a lone wolf like it's it's a great thing I'm convinced it's a complete Trick of the enemy, because you know, you look at wild animals. You get a you get an animal out by itself. They're much easier to pick off. And so, if the enemy can keep you isolated and not around other wise people, it's a lot easier for him to have easier control of your life. I think.
1: Strength in numbers. There's strength in numbers. Okay. I so number three was embracing humility. Embracing humility. Okay, last one. I know. I I know. I'm I'm not going to hit twelve. But y'all talk so much. I don't know what to do. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to blame my my stuff on you. I wasn't very wise. Okay, last thing. I find that wise people. A characteristic, is that they take. Well, let me let me say it how I wrote it here. Okay, they reflect and it moves them to service. It moves them to action. What do I mean by that? What I I mean by that is wise people very rarely tend to focus on themselves for very long periods of time. They, They understand that They are a part of a way bigger thing. And what I find that foolish people do is they turn all their focus inward and they look at themselves, and next thing you know, like everything is a disaster when you turn around and you're like, oh, there, you know what? I'm actually doing a lot better than I realized. You know what? There's actually a need out there that I have the ability to serve into. And it grows confidence and it grows self-assurance. So, like, I don't have a particular verse for you, but I have the thought of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I spoke about this last time. Do you remember the circumstances around Jesus feeding the 5,000? It wasn't just like, hey, we're hanging out here and people are here. There are things within context that happen. If you remember, John the Baptist has just been beheaded. Like this, this, like John the Baptist, the one that was meant to like pave the way of the Lord, right? Like this is the guy who is meant to like, Are you, like, are you Elijah? This guy, right? All of a sudden Jesus finds out this man has been beheaded. This is the John the Baptist that leapt in the womb of, right? Like this is this John the Baptist. And he's been beheaded. And Jesus is like, whoa. There's like a real moment of grief and mourning in Jesus where he's like, Whoa, wait a minute, I need to get away from everybody and I need to reflect on what just happened here. Like, things are accelerating. I know where I'm going, I'm headed to the cross, but now things are accelerating. I get to becoming real, real time. And he recognizes this and he takes the moment to reflect on his current situation. So if you actually wanna lower your anxiety level, reflect appropriately on your situation so that you can make a proper, like, What's the word? Assessment. Assessment, Thank you. Of what it actually is and that you don't make it bigger than it actually is. So stop and reflect and then lift your eyes and look around. And you're going to see that there's something really much bigger and then serve. Serve. So what does Jesus do? He takes a moment to, to reflect and the people are following him and next thing you know, he looks up and in that time of reflection, all of a sudden he sees, and he has compassion over the people, and next thing you know, a feast. A miracle. A miracle miracle happened because Jesus didn't reflect on it. Like, he didn't keep it in here. He didn't keep it like, oh, well, here I go. Look where this is heading. I know where this is going to go. I'm going to be crucified. There was time for that in the garden, and he spent time for that, but right now, what it allowed him to do was like let me look my eyes up and let me have compassion for this huge number i find that wise people do that all the time
2: and have belief
4: for
1: what's possible yeah and have belief for what's possible okay i want to pray i want to pray i'm going to leave that one like that but just know that there's a bigger world to serve out there And if we just keep ourselves contracted and only thinking about ourselves, which I don't find wise people do it. Like, oh, I don't know, it's actually been proven clinically that in states of depression, if you start to volunteer in areas of need, it actually lifts depression for you. You start recognizing self-worth and what you can give and not in what you can take or what you can consume. You wanna have a low amount of anxiety? Serve, give of yourself, sacrifice of yourself. I guarantee anything that you sacrifice, the Lord's like, I'm gonna give that back. I'm gonna give it back, and you know what? I'm gonna multiply it, and you're not gonna go with lack. I know it, because the Lord of Abundance is ready to just fill, like like fill it. He's like, I'm gonna fill it. I'm gonna fill it more, and you're gonna just be so stuffed. It's gonna be this, you gonna be overflowing. And you give, you give, you give. And he's like, I'm gonna, that's our father. So, young people, if you could do these four things. Do you remember number one? Prepare. Prepare and don't procrastinate, thank you son. Do you remember number two? Learn gratitude and contentment, like master it. Number three, embrace humility. Like let it be your brother. Let it be your sibling. And number four, serve. Reflect and serve. You will live, I'm not saying you're gonna live a stress free life, but you are gonna lower the amount of stress that you have in your life if you could do those four things. Because things in proper perspective, things in proper perspective are easier to handle than things that you've magnified with false magnification. Okay, I wanna pray for you young people. I want you to come here in the middle. Come over here, come, come here, stand up. I know, I talked for a long time and I probably bored you to death, but come right here. I actually want a generation that does not live in like panic or anxiety or any of those things. So, can we surround these young people? And if you actually, you feel like this is something that you wanna be blessed with too, come over here. But like, let's get up and pretend like we're family or act like we're family. <clears throat> because I am not interested in this anxiety thing. I don't like it. And I think that part of our inheritance is to speak against it, so that they don't have to live in that. So, Father, for this generation, I speak confidence. I speak to to the very identity of who they are. That they know and be strong. That they celebrate their strength. That they have the ability and that they have the capacity to put, like, to to accomplish the hard things that are in front of them. You can do it. You can. You have it in you. And greater uh, greater is he that is in you, greater is he, that is in you, greater is he, that is in you, Jesus living, breathing, active in you, it will come against every single ounce of stress, and anxiety, or panic, or worry, you don't have to live that life, I pray abundant life over you, young people. And for anybody who struggles with this, this idea of worry or that it's part of your identity or anxiety is part of your identity or, or any of that, you have access to the one who brings peace. Father, I pray over these young people that it be the peace of God that guards their hearts and minds. The peace of God, the peace of God. Father, grow their confidence. Grow their understanding of who you are. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, as we go here, I pray over these young. From this moment on forward, the peace of God the peace of God, the peace of God, in Jesus' name. And for anybody else out here, you're like, you know what, I'm older, but I struggle with this. I pray the peace of God over you. The peace of God will guard your heart. The peace of God will guard your mind. The peace of God will prop you up. The peace of God will hold you. Surrender over your need to protect yourself and allow the peace of God to be your stronghold and to be your shield and to be your, your to be your defense as we raise these children family community as we raise these children together may they see us walk confidently celebrating our strengths but being humble enough to understand that our weaknesses or the places of brokenness propel us towards Jesus nobody should have to do any of it alone. Not one of us. From the oldest to the youngest. Let us model that. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Have a great week. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.